This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast, the podcast where we talk to brewery owners and ask questions about owning a brewery so that future brewery owners can learn a thing or two. My name is Mike Curtin, and if you haven't subscribed yet, well, get on it, Buster. This is episode number 71. In this episode, I sit down with Colin Castor, owner of Seven Sun Brewing Company in Columbus, Ohio. Colin explains how they came up with the name for Seven Sun, how he balances his family in multiple businesses, and how the craft beer explosion has caused a bit of consumer fatigue. I think I have a bit of consumer fatigue, but not in the way Colin is saying. I'm tired of not consuming more beers, or having more in my fridge for that matter. Some may say I have a problem, and to those people I say, you're the problem, because you're not helping me find more beers to put in my fridge. Now help a brother out, buy me beer, or come over with some, and then we could sit back, relax, crack some of those open, and enjoy the podcast. Colin Castor was born in West Lafayette, Indiana. In eighth grade, he moved to Ohio, where he would meet two friends that would become his future business partners, Jen Burton and Travis Spencer. He attended Ohio State on and off as an English major but the entrepreneurial spirit in Colin was crying out. 2005, he would open a head shop slash skate shop on Ohio State campus, and after that, he would go on to open a restaurant called Bodega that was a huge success in the art district just south of Ohio State. The idea to open a brewery came about as Colin, Jen, and Travis were talking about their love of craft beer. They got to work on building a brewery. During that time, Jen and Colin would decide on opening a beer and wine shop called Barrel and Bottle, which became a huge success as well. With Bodega Barrel and Bottle and Seven Sun all on his plate, Colin would make the decision to sell Bodega to focus on making his new venture as a brewery owner a successful one. The three partners did just that in April of 2013 and just recently celebrated their ninth anniversary as owners of Seven Sun Brewery in Columbus, Ohio. In 2018, they went on to open Antiques on High, a sour wild focused brewery in Columbus, Ohio. And just recently, in May of 2021, they opened Getaway Brewery in Dublin, Ohio, that focuses on great beer styles from around the world. And Colin is here with me today. Colin, how's it going, man? It's going great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on to talk about beer. Yeah, thanks for joining me. So, uh, you opened in April of 2013 uh, with friends from your two friends from eighth grade. Uh, Jen Burton, yeah. Travis Spencer, happy ninth, ninth yeah. year anniversary, by the way. I know you just celebrated Thank nine years. Uh, yeah. Um, so what was that moment, uh, for the three of you that kind of stuck, stuck out? That was the kind of that aha moment that made you guys want to open up seven sun. So, uh, both Jen and I came from a restaurant background uh, she was kind of working at a wine bar. Uh, I owned a restaurant before that was um, one of the first kind of 50 tap places in Columbus, Ohio, that was really into craft beer and everything. And uh, Travis was a lawyer, but he had homebrewed a tiny bit. But we just kind of looked at everything. And the restaurant that I had, uh, I had decided that I didn't really want to mess with kitchens anymore, but I really liked the drink side and the bar side of it a little bit more. Okay. Um, and Travis and Jen, and we were, we were all kind of sitting in uh, Jen's backyard at the time and just kind of had the thing like, we can, we can do this. We can handle this. Like, why not give it a shot? Right. Um, 
and we we all really love beer. We love the idea of having our own business and what craft breweries represent as far as not just being like, and I, I can kind of feel it with the, with the restaurant a little bit too. Like it's a restaurant. It's not necessarily as much of like a community center or uh, a kind of space for the space for the whole neighborhood and the way breweries were coming up and representing really like third spaces for people and kind of neighborhood uh, neighborhood centers in an odd way. Like I think that appealed to us a lot. We were all like, yeah, this sounds like a fun thing. Like people in, people in, uh, that's what Sam Calgione used to say. People in breweries are still, and I think it still holds true. Like 99% not assholes. Like right. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a fun business to be in overall. And we, we liked the, we liked the people of it. We liked the fact it could be a part of kind of a new, new developing neighborhood. And we liked the beer and it just kind of hit us. We're like, yeah, we should give this a go. Very cool. And how did you guys wind up coming up uh, with the name? for seven sun so that we were actually going around and around about what we wanted to name the brewery because nothing and we noticed this with our with our other couple of project breweries too like nothing really feels right until it exists and then you're like oh yeah that one makes sense but that that aiming's pretty horrible sometimes and we had gone back to there's a there's a brewery in columbus uh pre-prohibition called born brewing company and we thought you could do some catchy things with that. And that was in, and we started to look into trademarks and, uh, born on dating is, uh, Miller or Budweiser Miller giant conglomerate. And they're rather litigious and they own born on anything pretty much. So we had to scrap that. Okay. Right. And, uh, and then seventh son was going to be the name of our first beer. Like seventh son of a seventh son is always, uh, good luck and folk tales and blues songs and whatnot. Um, and we were finally driving around. I think we were driving back from visiting Great Lakes Brewing in Cleveland, uh, like a pre, pre-brewery, check out other places, visit kind of thing. And we just landed on, we're like, well, let's just call it Seventh Son. It's good luck. It's, you know, right. um, it's catchy, catchy in its own right. And uh, from there, rest is nine years history. Gotcha. And how did you guys go about funding uh, your business? So uh, we got an SBA loan. Uh, it was around $600,000 total, but we needed to come up with a third of that from ourselves. And we didn't have any of that. or We didn't have that kind of money lying around at all. So we went to, uh, luckily, almost all friends and family type investors or friends of friends. Um, it's a group of uh, 16 people that have been with us from the beginning. Um, and we, we raised the equity from that. And... Uh, then we ran out of money briefly uh, and did a Kickstarter for about another $30,000, okay. um, which was and Kickstarter back then. I think it still functions basically the same, but it's almost like merchandise pre-sale. Like here's a t-shirt, here's a pint of beer, here's a everything. Right. Once we open, we'll, we'll get you back there. So we raised about another 30 from Kickstarter and that was just barely enough to get the doors open basically. Well, looks like we a, a lot it worked out. Yeah, it all worked out in the end, but we got open. And I think our first two years, we were just constantly dumping money back into the uh, kind of building and the brew house brewery itself. And uh, in 2000, we got we got open and making beer in 2013. And then in 2015, we purchased the there was an empty lot behind the brewery. Um, which I kept driving up to this guy's house uh, and dropping off notes on his mailbox and saying, hey, if you ever want to sell this, if you ever want to sell it. 
And finally, a developer offered him some money, and he said, "Well, if you can match what the developer is gonna was gonna give me, I'll uh, I'll sell it to you instead." So we uh, we got that land, and then worked out a whole nother like kind of second round of SBA funding and a larger loan to build a fifteen thousand square foot expansion onto our original five thousand square foot building with kind of a proper brew house and uh, workflow and fixing a lot of the. A lot of the problems that we had initially when we really were just kind of shooting blind and craft beer industry was a lot more in its infancy then too. There were consultants and trade shows and ideas, but when we went to a craft brewers conference, we were one of 2,000 breweries that were open rather than 9,000. Yeah, right. So it was significantly smaller and the, the knowledge base was a lot smaller about how to do things. So we definitely have, have learned a lot along the way. I'm sure. And I always hear I always hear the saying, whatever you think it's gonna cost to open a brewery, just double that. That's what yeah. I, that's what I hear all the time, so <laughs> I mean, even even back then it was uh six or six fifty to get open and we we could have spent all of a million easily, or like one point one or two million. I'm sure. Uh and uh, about three years ago, I'm sure you were in, uh, well, what was it, three years ago or two years ago? Two years ago? Yes, two years ago. Pardon me. I'm, it feels like it was three years ago. But uh, COVID wound up hitting. Uh, how did that affect your business and how did you guys go about pivoting to make it work for you? So COVID hit us, that, that expansion that I talked about, we started on that in 2015 and it got open on our fifth anniversary in 2018. Uh, part of that loan package and the project was also working on, uh, in another part of town, we're in Italian village and this was in a uh, German village part of Columbus, uh, our antiques on high brewery, which is kind of our sour wild side. It has about 110, uh, oak bear, oak wine per, wine barrels repurposed for uh, wort, and then three 20-barrel fooders also. Um, but yeah, pretty much exclusively Sour Wild, and then it's got a tap room attached to it, about 4,000 square feet of uh, rooftop patio and tap room. So that was all kind of part of it, and that just got open in uh, late 2018. So 2019 was kind of our year that we're like, hey, we got a new business open, and we have this expansion open and we just kind of got our feet under us. And 2020 was supposed to be like the year it all made sense. Of course. And everything's going to be uh, working. And we were, we were talking to, in another part of town, Dublin, Ohio, a suburb just to the north. We were talking to a developer there about doing a, a third kind of tap room space, <clears throat> which is now getaway. But we, we kind of had that in the works, too. And that was supposed to be done in 2020. And COVID just threw everything for a loop. And we didn't really, to be honest, with just finishing two projects, we hadn't built back up any type of like substantial cash reserves or anything. Like we were, we were paying our bills and we were doing fine, but we were not ready to just close the doors overnight. Um, so for us, it was a really big, giant pivot. Um, how do we scramble and make this work without really cash reserves at all at that point? Um, it turned into a lot of delivery. At one point, we were delivering about 100 to 150 cases of beer a day, and we managed to keep the tap room open with whatever uh, employees were comfortable kind of just manning carry out. Right. Uh, our brewers stayed employed the entire time, and really everybody 
who wanted to stay employed with us. We uh, made it a point to make sure they had a job um, throughout. That's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we were proud of it. We have good people. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot. And we, we couldn't have done it without uh, – we genuinely couldn't have done it without the PPP assistance, uh, without the idle loans, without we, – we took advantage of every program that was out there to keep things afloat. And it's pretty much – in the last two months, it's finally got to a point where, like, oh, we're, we're cash flow positive. The sun's out again in Columbus. There's not dining restrictions. People are finally coming out and feeling a little bit more comfortable. And it's it's only been just recently that we're like, hey, we're actually bringing in money again, finally. Right. Well, that's got to be a good feeling. It's a very good feeling. Right. There's, uh, it's been a lot of uh, a lot of sleepless nights in between. I'm sure. Uh Speaking of sleepless nights, you own uh, four different businesses. <laughs> uh, the Barrel and Bottle, which is a, a carryout, you said, right? Carryout. Yeah, it's a it's a carryout and bar and kind of the shared public market in Columbus, Ohio. And then you have... Um, it's basically a thousand square feet, but it's an awesome little shop. Right. And then you have three different breweries. You have Seven Sun, you have Antiques on High, and The Getaway. Um, yes. How do you go about balancing all of that and making sure that they all stay afloat and make sure they all work? Um, and what, what, what kind of stress comes with that? Uh, there's a decent amount of stress with it. It depends on what it's just, uh, we, we've always tended to run things pretty lean in terms of like upper management. Uh, we give our people, we trust our people a lot and we give them a lot of autonomy to kind of do a good job. And, uh, and we talk about things. We, we have a lot of meetings to check in on things, but, uh, we give people a lot of leeway to, to take care of themselves and, and do a good job. We put a lot of trust in them. Um, but it's been, it's kind of a continual balancing act. Like we got used to having seventh son, then we got used to having seventh son with, an extra 15,000 square feet and upping our production from 2,000 barrels to 6,000 barrels. And then we got used to having uh, antiques on high on top of that. And then we got used to COVID weirdness. Right. And now we're getting used to uh, having getaway on top of that. So in terms of having three places operating and non-COVID, we're still only in a few months of that almost. Like it's still kind of the... Uh, the beginning so we're still figuring out where we need more people or less people and how we can effectively use the the people that we have we have a we have a ton of staff who they're a delivery driver but they also do this but they also do that but they do of this and, and kind of piece together their 10 to 20 hours a week of uh 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 hours a week and they kind of find their niche and um just kind of make it work so there's been a lot of that of people growing into roles and uh, and kind of making up the workload and a lot of us trying to make sure that we're not, that our people are still happy and motivated and we're not overusing anyone or like using it kind of, that we're not burning people out or, or using them too, too hard. Gotcha. So I know you had opened uh, a business prior to opening Seven Sun, but um, when opening Seven Sun, was there what was something that you never thought you were going to have to deal with? If you can think back to that, that 
when you first yeah. opened? I think a lot of a lot of all the projects has been like I never knew I was going to have to be as much of a construction project manager, even though you technically have a general contractor. If you're not like the second in charge general contractor and constantly on top of things, like things just don't happen and fall by the wayside or don't happen the right way. Right. Like I, I didn't know how much like construction project management, and then the fact that. We've almost been all the time continually expanding. It's like it hasn't really stopped. Like I, I would have had a little break, but I decided to. My family moved, and we did a rehab project on our house. So I've been almost continually under construction for like the last nine years of my life. Gotcha. <laughs> to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how do you go about balancing uh, family and your businesses? Um, How do you make that I work just, for you? Uh, I try to be upfront, honest about what I can and can't do uh, for both work and for business. And I, uh, I apologize when I screw up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about that's about the best I have at this point. I've gotten uh, I've gotten a lot better when we when we first started. It was. One of those, like I was, I was working in the brewery and I was bartending a couple nights a week in the restaurant I used to have. I would always bartend there. And back in my uh, younger days, I'm 44 now, so I had more kind of energy and time. And the bar, bar thing was more fun. And um, but that definitely eats away a lot more family time. Now I'm still a solid like 50ish hours a week, but most of those are daytime hours. Right. So it's not nearly as uh, it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. But then also my wife and I joke and she's like, yeah, you know, I used to like it when you were gone a few nights a week. We, we got along better. <laughs> so what do you... I don't know if you get the same oh, thing from the fire. Uh, I'm sorry, what'd you say? You, you get the same thing from the fire duty, like being gone a few days a week. Yeah, yeah so, so to speak, yes, for sure. Yeah. You know, being gone for 24 hours, you know, and give them a little break. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think some good qualities to possess when being the owner of a brewery, of a brewery? Uh, I think that, um, I guess the, the most common thing for it now is like grits, definitely tenacity, whatever you want to call it. Um, just absolutely getting something done, figuring out a way to get it done. Even if you get a bunch of things thrown at you and just assuming that you will get things thrown at you. I think that's important. And kind of that project management, just being able to push through, whether it's uh, on a sales side or taproom side or anything, it's all those same same kind of qualities, and uh, just empathy with uh, for your staff and for the people that you're working with um, is super important, especially these days with uh, kind of the. I feel like there's been an overall balance of power shift since COVID between employees and employers in a way and there's a lot more expectation of a a good a good job that pays decently that uh that people can expect to advance with and it's you can't be you can't be an arm twister anymore you gotta you gotta get everybody on the same team and you gotta uh, be able to understand everyone's position and really uh help other people succeed more so than just telling them what they have to do gotcha let the people grow. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, you get to a certain point, like, I can't, there's no possible way I can do everything anymore. Of course. Like, when you first start out, you can start to do a bunch of things and run yourself ragged, but at some point, you gotta, you gotta have the people in place. For sure. Uh, and I'm sure you've been around, uh, in the nine years that you've been in the brewing industry, you've been around a lot of people, uh, but who do you think's inspired you the most in the beer industry? Oh man, I really liked, I got the chance to, uh, have dinner with, uh, Steve Hendy one time, the Brooklyn Brewing okay. founder. Uh, and he was awesome. Uh, just a funny, interesting guy with a lot of good stories. And, uh, what were you talking? I, I'm assuming, I don't know his exact age, but I'm thinking he's probably about 25 years older than me or something. I'm drinking beers. I'm like, so do you still get hangovers after <laughs> these things? Do you go like, just, uh, are you immune yeah. yet? <laughs> Yeah, it was funny to uh, to just kind of think about yourself, and it's not that far away from me now. Actually, my business partner and I were just talking about like where do we want to be fifteen years from now? I'm going to be sixty, and right. I'll be that Steve Hendy going around to uh, going around to beer dinners and inspiring people with my mild hangovers and stories and whatnot. Yeah, so right. he was a good. Yeah. Um, and how do you define success and? Is there a moment that you could think back on when you first opened Seven Sun that kind of things were going in the right direction? Maybe like an award or anything like that that kind of like sticks out in your head in a certain moment? I don't know. You know, it hasn't been uh, an award per se as much. It's probably been more just those... uh, you, you kind of feel the, when we get busy now, there's probably like three or 400 people in here sometimes. Awesome. Uh, just on a nice day, having a beer, uh, just that kind of energy you feel like that, that, that feels very successful. And it feels like if you, if you go and the staff's having a good time and people are having a good time and you're like, Hey, like drinking a beer is not solving world hunger necessarily or, anything of that level, but you're, you're providing a really valid, really like awesome outlet for people. Um, it's nice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I, I'm sure I would feel the same way. Um, just looking around and realizing like you got all these people in here drinking something that you made, you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty great feeling. Yeah. It's a great feeling. Yeah. And you get the people, you get the customers who are, uh, are the guests writing back in and saying like, Oh, I met my fiance here. Or, birthday here you know it's nice that's great yeah and uh like i had mentioned before it's it's stressful owning you know four businesses and trying to make everything work but how important is a mental break for you and what does that look like uh most of my i don't do a good enough job of like completely disconnecting like i was even um my dad lives overseas and i went to visit him recently for like uh, about three and a half, three weeks or so after COVID restrictions lifted a little bit. And I was still checking emails every day because I'm, I'm more of the person who's like, you know, I'd rather, it was only an hour or so and I didn't really mind it, but I just didn't want to come back to a bunch of stuff. Like of course. sitting in my inbox kind of thing. Um, and I tend to do that on vacations, but I feel like I still get a pretty darn good like 22 or 23 hours of the day out of the vacation that's not at. So I don't mind too much. But I, I kind of like uh, not completely just laying around on a beach or anything, but I, I got to have a beach and some water and uh, definitely about a 50-50 split between 
doing some activities that are pretty cool and just sitting and reading a book on the beach. Right. Uh, on more of a daily basis, I try and exercise pretty much every day. I think that gives my mind a, a real release and kind of break from things. And uh, I'm a guitar hack, so I like to uh, practice finger-picking guitar styles. It's the other thing. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome, man. And uh, what do you think, you've, like I said, you've been uh, open for nine years. What do you think has been the biggest change in the industry in the last five years? Uh, I mean, a couple things in terms of uh, growth kind of explosion, but at the same time, uh, consumer fatigue is starting to set in, too. So uh, I think there's a huge, I mean, I think that curve has really shot up in the last five years or whatever. Like I said, I remember when we started, there were about 2,500, and now we're 9,200 breweries or Whatever, when we started in Columbus, we were the seventh brewery open here, and now there's 50 in our county. Crazy. Um, yeah, so just kind of the numbers of breweries, and there used to really be a scarcity kind of driving things a lot, and even in, you would even see it in Beer Fest. We, were, we just had one of our first Beer Fests back since COVID, and it was really interesting. Like, a lot of people kind of had the same uh, comments about it. They're like, oh, you know, I used to come to these, and... Uh, try and find things that I couldn't find anywhere. Like that was kind of the appeal of it. But they're like, you know, I've tried most of these beers now. So it's kind of interesting to try them side by side and it's fun to see people, but it's just not the same as it used to be. And I think that's overall in craft beer, that's a lot of what it is. Like most towns have everywhere. You can buy a good IPA from someone right. that's fresh at people. And there's both, and now there's even like good hazies everywhere and good West Coast everywhere. And there's probably decent sour beers in most every city you can go to also. Um, and it just wasn't like that at all. There was still such a uh, kind of, uh, oh, can you still, can, can you find that one special beer? Can you, now there's a lot of good special beers everywhere. And I think there's more focus on like the, if you want to call it the brand or the experience or the brewery as a whole. And it, it's the it's the liquid and the beer in the glass first and foremost, but it's also just kind of the overall vibe when you find something really special. Like when you go to a town and you find the, the really cool brewery that's there, right. it's not just what's in the glass. It's also like what kind of space did they create and what kind of vibe did they create. Right. And that's changed because it used to just be more, uh, much more simple. Like, oh, my God, there's a good IPA here. Of I'm course. More than that now. Yeah, I used yeah. to go, obviously, you know, get it when I'm first getting into the whole craft beer thing, uh, going to, you know, the beer festivals that they used to have. And it was breweries you never heard of before. And then as time went on, it was like you would go to them and you'd be like, I pretty much tried all these beers before. But now, now, now it's more along the lines of like the special invites that certain breweries do, like when they have those festivals where they invite yeah. those certain breweries that they like. And it's like, oh, OK. Yeah, I gotta go to this one. You know, that's the uh, yeah. that's the things to look forward to now. We're getting ready to go out to uh, uh, Boulevard. Um, their head brewer, uh, Stephen Powell's, who's been with them for a while, he's just a super awesome guy. Um, he's been uh, his son goes to Ohio State, so we ended up meeting him here, and uh, he likes our brewery a lot, and we've just stayed in touch with him and everything. But we just got the invite to go out to there. Uh, kind of invite special fest out there and i'm very cool really looking forward yeah i'll be i'll be actually going to one in uh pawtucket 
for uh, that thin back is holding. Oh, cool. In this, in the I, love, I love their beers whenever I've had their beers. Yeah, they're really good. They, they're actually like a mile away from me, so I'm there all the time. <laughs> it's kind of That's in my great. backyard, so. And uh, speaking yeah. of speaking of, what was your uh, gateway beer into the craft beer world? So my gateway beer, <clears throat> um, when I was uh, 16 years old, my brother was 21, and I took his uh, birth certificate and social security card to the license bureau, and I got my picture, and I looked like I was about 10, and I got my picture on a state ID. And uh, then I went to, uh, that was also at that time, I decided to be kind of adventurous and I got really into the Grateful Dead and I would go on Grateful Dead tour in the summer times and I would sell beer and grilled cheese on Dead tour and Deadheads were way ahead of the curve in terms of good beer. So even back in the day, um, you would see way, way more. And it uh, it was Sierra Nevada Pale. And Sammy Smith for the dark side of things, um, like Sammy Smith Oatmeal Stout and Sierra Nevada Pale, and they were all over every dead show lot that you would go to, and that's really what got me into beer. Like I was way ahead of all my other friends who were still just like kind of trying to find Natty Light on the weekend. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was going all around the country and finding like Sam Adams and Pete's Wicked and this and that and whatever I could kind of uh, whatever I could fit in a cooler. Um, but Sierra, Sierra Nevada and uh, Sam Smith Oatmeal Stout's what what stands out. Sam Smith Oatmeal Stout, very good. Yeah, I used to love that. Uh, yeah. So, what's next for your brewery or all all three of your breweries? Uh, what does the future look like? I think a lot of what like uh, the last handful of years have been for us, and like let's put this let's put these three breweries together and let's uh, let's get everything working. And now it's going to become more of an issue of uh, we have more capacity. We're up to about 7,000 barrels on, in the, uh, in our production facility. And we, we can probably get up to 12 or so without straining too hard, but we want to make sure it's what we want to make and it's beer that makes sense to make, not just trying to push something out to the market for the, for the sake of doing it. Um, so seeing how we can grow our production side in a way that makes sense and just how we can really make our spaces and tap rooms make sense and work together. We've been trying since everything does have a different name rather than just like Seven Sun One, Seven Sun Two, Seven Sun Three. Right. Uh, even though we're well known in Columbus and, and we feel like it's fairly well known, there's still not everybody connects that we're, that we're one business. Um, which is kind of fun, but it's also something that we're like, you know, this year we're going to try and tell people a little bit more about how we're actually like one brewery that is a part of all these three awesome individual unique breweries and just kind of grow that side of it. Um, we've looked at doing some Airbnb stuff just for fun for each of the spots as something that, uh, will be more of an experience of the, uh, brewery itself like and that. something we can Sounds cool. create for people. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. And like ways for when people come into town to really like experience what we have going on. And um, so that's a little bit of something. But a lot of it is just kind of making sure we got we have our feet under us and everything's working, working right. And that we have a stable, happy crew. And um, hopefully that, that we have a good couple of years of uh, solid business. 
fingers crossed for you, man. Fingers crossed. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so if somebody come to you, which I'm, I'm sure this happens all the time, but if somebody had come to you and asked you for advice on opening their own brewery, what would you tell them? Uh, for pretty much any business thing, I always tell people like, are you sure you want to turn your hobby into your job? Like it makes your, it makes you look at the world differently and you'll never, uh, you'll never get the same experience from drinking a beer as a, as a civilian, I guess, or whatever you'd want to call it as you, as you would from a, uh, being a brewery owner and that's good and bad, but make sure, uh, that makes sense. And then also like really look at it like we we build equity or we've been building equity and we're we're financially solvent right now and and doing okay on everything but there's a lot of brewery owners i know who there's actually a brewery here in town that just recently uh closed down or kind of half sold changed hands um but it was a guy who was an architect i think he was an architect one of the other partners uh similar kind of professional career and they did it for five or six years and just kind of realized like they were making more money and having more fun, um, not being a brewery owner. And it was, it was just taking up too much time and right. like genuinely think about what you're trying to get out of owning your own business, whether it's a brewery or another business. Um, and whether, whether you're cut out for the kind of 24 seven of it, and it's not always as financially rewarding as, uh, as a lot of people make it out to be. It's kind of like being a rock star, like the, the rock stars, the actual guys make a lot of money, but a lot of people are just working musicians who don't necessarily, uh, see of those course. rewards. It can be the same for, same for brewery owners or I guess any business. Right. Like, yeah. Gotcha. Good advice. Um, and did you happen to have a funny story for us? Uh, so uh, I was trying to think, I don't know if it's a super laugh out loud funny, but just kind of funny about, uh, the brewing world. Like everything seems to have the same, every name's been taken now for beers, especially, and even brewery names we found out really early on because we are seventh son spelled out S O N at the end, but we have some Florida buddies that are seven V E N T H and then S U N. Um, we started almost the exact time. They trademarked the, uh, their symbol, but not their name. Um, our lawyers barked back and forth at each other for five or six months. I think we each spent a few thousand dollars on it and then just decided to agree to disagree. And I think we were both like had more important things to fix and spend money on rather than uh, trademark. Uh, I think five years later, six years later, uh, we're at a Akron Hall of Fame football uh or in, in canton at a football stadium akron hall of fame uh beer fest and had the pleasure of meeting devon in person she had uh divorced her husband at the time and was hanging out with her mom and we talked about the whole thing and did some tequila shots and decided that we need to do a collaboration beer and it was all kind of silly in the beginning right. and uh it's the kind of thing that that i've always loved about craft beer like it's genuinely a good group of people um, good group of people, good good business to work in. It's awesome. There's things that are really great about it. I agree. Uh, but it's just funny how things can get so so blown out of proportion, and then you sit down and have some drinks with somebody, and it, it all works out. It's great about beer. Doesn't yeah. get much better than that. Yeah. So uh, I have a little segment called Quick Fire Five. All right. Five quick questions, beer related. 
Ready? I'm ready. Uh, somebody comes into your brewery. What is one of the beers you recommend they try? Cumulus Nimbus uh, was one of our first recipes. We've done very mild tweaks to it over time, uh, but I think it is one of the best pale ales in the country. Um, stands up to anything. We blind taste it against uh, Zombie Dust and Daisy Cutter and beat it all the time, even though it'll never get the press. Or it'll never get that much hype, right. but it's a damn good beer. It's an awesome beer. All right. Uh, if you can collaborate with any other brewery on a beer, who would it be? Oh, shit. Uh, you know, I would probably just go old school for the pleasure of like, if I could do, I got to meet Ken Grossman one time. If I could do a, a, a beer with Sierra Nevada, just for the sake of like we were talking, it was one of my right. first craft beers ever. I, I, I would choose Nostalgic. That. There's definitely people who make cool beer who would be fun to just work with. But if it was like a bucket list thing, right. I'd love to work with Ken to some degree. Gotcha. Uh, favorite style of beer? Um, favorite style of beer would have to still be IPA. I drink all over the place depending on the season right. and everything else. But there's just something about the pungency of like a well-made IPA, the way it makes your mouth water, the way the hops hit you. Like you can't beat it. Yep. I agree. I'm between, I'm between that and, and stouts. Uh, yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, favorite name you've come up with for one of your beers. Uh, actually, I'm going to uh, default to, oh, well, okay, I'm going to default to Humulus Nimbus because that was my, I think only about 10% of our brewery names are mine and probably like 70% our brewmaster, whose name is also Colin. Yes. Uh, he thinks a ton of them. Um, but uh, so I like Humulus Nimbus and then we did a uh, porter called Grave Blanket that I always liked because uh, I, it's a, nobody had done it, which I was kind of shocked at at the time. And um, it just seemed that I always like the uh, deep, dark kind of stout references. We have, we have uh, one that Colin named called Oubliette, which is an awesome stout name. Um, Oubliette's the French word for a dungeon where they would throw people to forget about Okay. Them. So that seemed appropriate. Um, Very cool. But yeah, there's a bunch of good ones. I like it. And uh, you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? One keg of beer for two weeks. We started doing a, uh, it, and I'm going to assume this is uh, right now where it's it's starting to warm up. So I'm going to go with, uh, we do a rice lager that we started making okay. for getaway. Because um, we, which has been really nice. Like we never really made a lot of lagers before and it's been a blast to get into that more. Um, so it's this kind of rice based lager, uh, kind of uh, Americanized noble hops a little bit, but pretty subtle. And uh, just super refreshing and um, awesome. So it's called Tuck Tuck. I, I would take a right now. I'll take a keg of Tuck Tuck for a couple of weeks. Gotcha, Colin. That's that's all I got for you, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Um, thanks for talking, and I'm glad we worked out the uh, scheduling stuff. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew Old Order Podcast. Here with Colin Castor, co-owner of Seven Sun Brewing Companies in Columbus, Ohio. Thank you, man. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to my interview with Colin Castor, co-owner of Seven Sun Brewing Company in Columbus, Ohio. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, definitely check them out. I hear Columbus is beautiful in the summer. 
Also, give those guys a follow on social media, because I said so. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe, and you'll never miss one. Check out our YouTube channel, where you get to watch video of the interview. That's right. You get to see our pretty little faces on screen. What a country. Also, check out our social media accounts for updates on the podcast. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.